0: Well, praise the Lord, so good to have you here today, and uh, it's always a, a pleasure to uh, meet together on Sundays. There's so much else going on, and uh, we uh, just appreciate the fact that you keep it a priority uh, in uh, your walk with the Lord. Well, turn to Psalm 119 and uh, verse 105. It's a verse that uh, you perhaps have memorized at some point uh, in your life, and uh, uh, it's a it's a great verse. I don't know if you know anything about uh, the 119th Psalm in general. Okay, I'll give you a little bit of of uh, Bible study here. Uh, the 119th Psalm is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's 176 verses. So if you want a, you know, a challenge on memorization of Scripture, you want to memorize a chapter, that might be the one to avoid. Okay, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a, it's, a, it's a great Psalm when you study it. Uh, it's, well, I, I don't want to go... On on a rabbit trail here, but anyways, every part of the, of the one hundred and nineteenth psalm is uh, uh, about the Word of God and some aspect of it and and, uh, and so it, it was actually a uh, 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 scripture passage that uh, Jewish uh, uh, young men would, would uh, memorize and commit to memory and, and they would recite it. And uh, we're taking a single verse out of uh, Psalm 119. Oh, one more f- little factoid, I guess. Uh, if, if you uh, take your Bible, and now if you, your Bible has a lot of study uh, material or maps or uh, uh, concordance in the back, uh, just kind of move all that out of the way. And, and if you hold your Bible, uh, just the, the Scripture pages uh, together, and right in the middle, if you, if you open that up, you should hit uh, Psalm 119, okay? So it's right in the middle of the Bible. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, and it is about the Word of God. So it's a great, uh, it's a great passage to study and meditate on, and here we're lifting uh, a single verse, 105. It says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, okay? What that talks to us about is that the Word of God gives us direction, okay? It gives us an illumination of where to go in difficult times. Now, the, the next seven weeks or so when I speak, uh, I want to I wanna cover the, the topic of the Uh, seven dimensions of a spirit-filled disciple, okay? And we are called to be disciples. If we have accepted Christ as our Savior and Lord, we are called into a life of discipleship or becoming more like Christ. And that is impossible without the Word of God. And so we want to address this first uh, in this uh, whole idea of seven dimensions. We're going to talk about these seven dimensions, one after another. And, and they're not dimensions in the sense that, you know, we we talk about one, and then we kind of move that off to the side, and then we talk to the next one. These these are all integrated. These build on top of one another. These are seven dimensions we live in simultaneously at the same time. And, uh, and they are just part of the disciple, the believer's life. And uh, of all the things we could talk about the the Word of god is is foundation to everything else let me let me just say this: you know we, we are in a vulnerable place as Christians or just believers in general. If we listen to the preaching of the Word and we don 't uh, consult the Bible for accuracy. If we just take somebody's word for it, then, then we are vulnerable. Now, we pray and uh, we trust that the Lord guides us in what we speak when we preach from the word of God, but, uh, and that's our responsibility, to preach what is accurate and what is good, um, but it is the disciples, the listener, the responsibility to see if the Bible backs that up. What is spoken, what is said, if the Bible backs that up. Personally, I like to uh, use a lot of Scripture, typically when I, when I speak, because I want to, I want to uh, affirm what we're saying in, in the Word of God. Because without the Word of God, everything else is just opinion, okay? And you know what? My opinion doesn't get you into heaven, okay? <laughs> My opinion is just that, is just opinion. But the Word of God is absolutely uh, imperative to living the life of the disciples. So, you know, we, we want to answer these questions. You know, what does it mean, maybe, to, uh, to be a spirit filled disciple? What, is, what does that mean? You know, uh, how do we define that? What does it look like? How do we behave in that? Um, and so these are important questions, and uh, we should be asking ourselves, you know, questions like this. You know, what does God expect of me? You know, when I accept Jesus as my Savior and Lord, what are, what are the expectations now that uh, God has of me? And how can I know if I'm living the life that that He wants me to live? Um, those, are, those are really important questions for us. And so we want to look into the Word of God deeper and discern the answers to these questions. And once we come into relationship with God through the salvation that Jesus offers us, then we are called to become disciples or learners or followers and imitators of Jesus. And uh, that is what we're going to explore in these seven dimensions of a Spirit-filled disciple. So number one, um, a disciple of, of Christ uh, must develop a biblical world view. okay? How do we do that? You know, what is a, a worldview? When we look around the world, how do we interpret what is here? How do we interpret, you know, what we see? How do we interpret the things that, that go on? For the disciple, everything is spiritual. When we look out, even see creation and all that, the disciple looks at you know, creation and says there is a creator, <laughs> okay, that this isn't some random chance, this isn't some, uh, you know, big bang, uh, result of a big bang, this is an intentional, thoughtful, uh, creative act of a loving God, and everything begins to flow from that perspective, and, and we look at life in a spiritual sense. Everything has spiritual overtones, everything that goes on. You know, thing we prayed about uh, today that, that we might be, you know, believers that live in unity in a world that is divided and, and at odds with uh, each other. And what is that? That's a spiritual dynamic that, that goes on. You know, we're told in the scripture that, you know, our enemy, Satan, uh, is out to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Um, that's his M.O. and uh, to stir up anger and offense and and create division among people is a hallmark of, of his activity. and And the disciple, the believer, recognizes this. It's not politics. It's not just you know bad behavior. Those are spiritual dynamics. Those are outcomes of the spiritual dynamics. So embracing a, a biblical worldview is uh, is where. You know, the believer lives, and uh, we interpret the world around us through spiritual terms. You know, and the Bible's where we begin everything. The Bible is the anchor of our way of life, and it is the first of our fundamental beliefs, That's where everything originates. Now, you know, I I hear people all the time, I love spending time in nature because it just, you know, I just see so much of God in it. And that's great. Uh, God is the creator. We've already mentioned that. And uh, we love spending time in his creation. But you know what? That does not tell us everything about God that we need to know. You can look at a tree, you can look at a flower all you want, and you will never know about salvation in Jesus Christ. Okay? There's only one source of information about that. You won't find it in your history book at school. You won't you know, find it in the library unless you check out the Bible. Um, but the Bible is where all of that information comes from. And so it's, it's the, the baseline, it's the fundamental uh, beginning of everything that we believed. When we are engaged with the Bible... When we are reading and meditating, even memorizing, and believing what it tells us, we begin to develop a biblical world view. And when we view and interpret the world around us through that lens and through that filter, uh, then we can correctly know what is the dynamics of what is going on around us. You know, we need guidance and We believe the Bible provides the best guidance in how to live life optimally. Uh, Our opening text that we read there, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It just illustrates for us the illumination that the word of God brings to life and the path that we trod. Instead of stumbling in darkness, and, and you know, that's, Generally, the, you know, the way the world without Christ, without the Scripture, without the Bible uh, as their guide is really a series of stumbling in the darkness. And we can avoid that kind of life if we make the Word of God uh, our, our illumination to life. Now, you can you know, accept Christ and, and never read the Bible, and you will live a life that is essentially not much different than the world around you. It is the Word of God that changes us. And uh, I would just encourage you, become engaged with the Word of God. I probably am a little bit out of my uh, realm of knowledge too much to uh, make this illustration is that there are pilots in the room and they could, they could lecture on this much more informed than I can, but I, I know a couple of things. When, when you are a pilot, there are a couple of uh, conditions that you need to know as you take off and fly. And, and those conditions might be described as VFR and IFR. Is that right, Dale? Okay, all right. Dale's my pilot guy here. <laughs> VFR, what is VFR? VFR is visual flight restrictions. Okay, so when you when it's VFR, that means it's a generally a pretty good day. It's you know you can see uh, the in the distance. You can see mountains. You can see uh, whether there's you know maybe storms in the distance or something like that. But VFR uh, says you know that that you can fly by what you see. Okay, there's not fog. There's not clouds. There's not snowstorms obscuring your sight. And so VFR conditions are great. And uh, you know, anybody who has you know, become a pilot can fly VFR. That's the very best of situations. But there's that other uh, condition called IFR, which is instrument flight restrictions, okay? So when you can't see, and, you know, a storm or clouds or, or the conditions are such that you can't see that mountain that's in front of you, you need to rely on your instruments to guide you, okay? So as Christians, you know, most of the time, we can fly, if you will, in this whole faith thing, VFR, visual flight restrictions. I mean, times are good. Who needs instruments when, uh, when you can see and, uh, you know, when life is good, and, and we have income, and we have good, you know, things going on in relationships around us, and, and uh, you know, there's, there's not uncertainties in the world. We love those days. Those are the best of days. Anybody can, can live successfully, it seems, in days like that. But what about the storms that come in life? We get caught. You know, sometimes you can start via far, and in the middle of your flight, it turns to IFR. Is that right, now? Dale? Okay, I just want to make sure I'm accurate here, okay? So you're helping me out. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes when you're flying, it can start out VFR, and it's good. And, the, and the, you know, the ability to see with our eyes and, and fly our aircraft uh, successfully uh, is VFR, and, and uh, it's easy but sometimes it turns to IFR before we get to our destination. And storms come and clouds obscure our way and, and we can't see what we need to see with our eyes. We have to trust our instruments to guide us successfully through all of the dangers and, and hazards that come. And as Christians, you know, you know, we, we can leave the Bible on the shelf on VFR days. I mean, that, you know, just, it's pretty easy, right? You know, just be a nice person, be a good person, and uh, everything will be all right, you know, and, and, uh, and that will work for you. But you know what? Life comes with storms. And sometimes we can't see, we don't know the right thing to do, and, and our, our emotions get, you know, turned around. And, and uh, but, you know, at times like that, that's where we need to be familiar with the Word of God, because the Word of God is our instrument to navigate life when we can't see the way. And, uh, you know, our, our text today, uh, you know, God's Word is a, is a light into our path and a you know, lamp into our feet and a light into our path, and uh, it illuminates the way. It guides us. And, and, uh, and so um, life without this guidance becomes absurd. We can see a world that it's It just seems increasingly so by the day gets more and more absurd. And, uh, you know, uh, I I read a news story this week and you you might be saying to me, Pastor, you should stop reading the news, okay? You just stop it because you just read the most absurd things. I read a news story this week how one school district now has to accommodate a student who identifies as a cat, okay, a cat. And uh, while well, all the other students walk in as human beings, this one is a cat. And if that cat needs to curl up and sleep on the, on the shelf or something uh, during class, then it's a cat. That's what cats do and, and not required to, to be with the other students in the class. It, it's, is this absurdity or is this absurdity? <laughs> you know, um, we uh, you know, hear this... This kind of stuff, you know, and it, and it just shows how when we don't have IFR with the Word of God, when, when, we, when uh, we aren't anchored into the Word of God, mankind runs amok quickly. And, uh, you know, we don't have guidance. This idea that men can give birth. Have, have you been hearing that? Uh, recent days, men can give birth. And it's like, uh, no. <laughs> No, but the absurdities increase without the Word of God. The statements, uh, Supreme Court Justice can't tell you what a woman is. Even if she is a woman, she can't tell you what a woman is. That's absurd. <laughs> That's absurd. How does a woman differ from, differ from a man? They don't know. Um, you know, there's all kinds of absurdities and worse and even that get uh, difficult to mention in public, uh, that, that without the Word of God, life becomes absurd, becomes difficult, becomes hard, becomes something that, that uh, is less pleasant than what we might be uh, accustomed to. So a Spirit-filled disciple is a person who is engaged with the Word of God, encourage you, you know, pick up a Bible reading guide. We encourage you about that all the time. Um, don't wait for the first of the year. Don't wait for some special occasion to start. Just take it home today and just start. Um, be in the Word of God frequently. I don't want to be uh, legalistic about it. You know, don't don't think, you know, that if you don't have a perfect record of reading your Bible every single day that somehow you're disqualified and you have to give up. And Just, just, Quit that religious nonsense, okay? Um, Get in the Word of God and be in it as often as you can. And uh, if you can't make it through the Bible in a year, that's okay. Take two years, three years, whatever, but be in the Word of God. Uh, That is our encouragement to you because a Spirit-filled disciple is a person who is engaged with the Word of God. And it is the foundation to everything. It's the foundation to our biblical worldview and how we interpret the world around us. So, number two. Let's talk about this. Disciples have a personal sense of calling and purpose. Uh, What does it mean to be a Spirit-filled disciple? Well, we have a personal sense of calling and purpose. Yesterday, my granddaughter had her second birthday, and uh, we were uh, there and celebrating her, and, and there were some friends of my son and, and my daughter-in-law there, and, and uh, just in conversation. And one of those people was a local school teacher uh, in the public school system, and she said this really important statement. She said, I feel like God has called me to be a teacher In the public school system for such a time as this. That's amazing. She says, I love to pray over my classroom, I pray over my students, you know, and, uh, you know, she uh, doesn't talk about the absurdities that, you know, seem to be so prevalent. in in this day and age, but she affirms them as as, uh, people made in the image of God. And that's what a a part of what a Spirit-filled disciple is all about, is that we have a sense, personal sense, of calling and purpose. Um, A disciple sees their life as an extension of how God is working in the world. I am part of what God is doing in the world. Um, That's part of our understanding. God uses my gifts, whatever that is, and in that case, you know, that ability and calling to teach. Uh, maybe you have different gifts. Maybe you have different uh, things that, that uh, God has given you, talents and abilities. Uh, he's given us those things to accomplish His will and to increase His kingdom. Um, that's, that's very, very uh, important for a spiritual disciple to understand. Now, we all have different Uh, abilities and gifts. And we could go into studies of those things. Uh, But the bottom line is those gifts, those things that you're good at, those things that you are interested in, those things that you love to do, those things that are part of your calling in life are employed in the kingdom of God. And it is all to um, influence people around us towards the things of God. And so that is part of our understanding. We have a personal sense, a personal sense of calling and purpose, you know? And that's where we see God's will, and that should all, you know, that all should come to repentance and, and uh, understand what God's kingdom looks like, you know? Christ's kingdom is in the heart of every believer. Every time somebody comes to salvation through Christ, the kingdom of God increases, and we are here to help make that happen. That's part of our calling, that's part of our purpose. Second um, Peter 3, 9, and then I'm gonna read Mark 12, uh, so, if you have your Bible, just uh, give you a moment to find it. second Peter chapter three and verse nine It says the lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance what What is Peter saying there is that is that you know A lot of times, and you know, I I admit it. I'm I'm among the people that just say, you know, Jesus, why don't you just come back today? You know, we've talked about your second coming, you know, or or the rapture of the church, and why don't you just make that today? Because I'm tired of all this, and I want to experience life without all the frustrations. And uh, you know, and and yet Jesus still tarries. he hasn't come for his church yet. I, uh, I had this experience uh, today right here in this building, or not today, this week in this building. And uh, I, I uh, was in my office and I came out to to contact somebody and let them know, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave, I got an errand to do. And uh, Pastor Scott wasn't in his office, Pastor Josh was not in his office, Gina was not in the office, Christy was not in her office. And I'm walking around, hello, hello, hello. I thought, you know, I look outside, all the cars are still there. <laughs> I'm thinking, I hope this isn't the rapture. for some reason they were all downstairs and I hadn't gone down there Um, but uh, yeah you know it's uh, (laughs) Jesus hasn't come back I'm glad to see you guys here today Uh, but it's not that God is slack concerning his promise but he yearns that all should come to repentance and you and I are part of that process We have a personal calling from God to use whatever gifts and abilities we have to influence others to come to Christ. And that's what he's waiting on. That's what he's waiting on. Mark chapter 12 and verse 32 through 34. It says, and this is discussion that Jesus is having here with the scribes and the scribe said to him, well said teacher. You have spoken the truth for there is one God and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Look at Jesus' response to this. Now, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus said that that the kingdom of God is not a visible kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's not one that we see, uh, you know, in, in uh, terms of buildings or streets or, or that sort of thing, but the administration of God in our personal lives. And what this scribe responded to Jesus, Jesus said, you know what, you're on the right path. <laughs> you're near the kingdom of God. And, uh, and that's all we are called to do is to lead people along that path to the kingdom of God that will, that will come to their to their own heart. Spirit-filled disciples understand their biblical role as a link in the chain that brings people to Christ. And, uh, and that's what we are to be about uh, day in and day out as we're doing the things that we love, as we're doing the things that we're good at, the things that we have talent for, is to influence others to come to know Christ as Savior. Um, I want to wrap up with this thought here. Number three is disciples sustain themselves through the scriptures. Um, sustaining ourselves is, is important and, and impossible without the Word of God. So, uh, bottom line, what we're talking about here today is, is the necessity of the Word of God in our daily lives. Um, you know, if you've ever raised children, you know that it is your desire as a parent that one day they will be fully mature, able to sustain themselves in adulthood. I mean, that's our, that's our bottom line desire, isn't that true? Uh, we, we don't want them to be 30-year-olds needing diaper changes and bottles, right? Um, we want them to mature, to become self-sustaining, and uh, that they can go out and make life successfully on their own. And that's what we should be as believers, not, you know, all of the childish sort of responses and and uh, behaviors um, that uh, divide us and, and tear us apart, but to become fully mature in the things of God. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. It says, And he gave himself some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And and all that, again, comes from the Word of God. You won't find that in a flower. You won't find that in the forest. You only will find that in the Word of God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here it is, that we should no longer be children. Time to grow up. It's time to be self-sustaining. Um, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share and causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So all of that is to say is that we should no longer be children and that we should be self-sustaining adults, if you will, as disciples. And you know, the, the writer of Hebrews uh, takes another look at this and rebukes their audience for their lack of growth. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter five and verses 12 through 14. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. In other words, you're still children as disciples. You're still children as believers. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Read the Bible there, okay? unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, and that is to those by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, you go on to chapter 6 in Hebrews. He says this, Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of what we believe." Is that we are unexpected to mature and to grow up as disciples and Christians. So, you know, there's an innate tendency for us to cling to comfort when we should be pressing ahead. Um, you know, I have to deal with this myself all the time. You know, should I go to the gym and work out? Yes, I should. I'm still waiting. (laughs) Why? Because I cling to comfort. And in some area of our lives, you know, that's true of all of us. Um, It takes work, it takes motivation, it takes the willingness to leave a situation that's comfortable to once again grow and lean into faith. And that is the challenge that uh, I pray that we are up to as believers, as Christians. And uh, that we can become fully engaged disciples of Jesus. And it starts with the Word of God. And if you're already reading your Bible and, and engaged in your Bible on a, on a frequent basis, God bless you. God bless you. Continue to do so. If you haven't started, then start. It is, it, it is the greatest honor and blessing of my life to introduce people to reading their Bible. And uh, now, you know, I hear people say, Pastor, uh, I've read my Bible again. You know, I've read it three times now. And I just, that's the greatest honor to me. You know, had people now into their 20th reading. um, And I just say, praise God for that. That honors not only God, but it honors me, and if I was the one that introduced them to that uh, practice in their life, um, just to let you know, I, I do that. I, uh, at the end of July, I think it was the last day of July, uh, completed my 40th reading of the Scriptures, and I am started, I'm through Genesis, getting near to the end of Exodus, uh, re- starting, and, and uh, on my journey through the Word of God again. And I encourage you, uh, Pick it up, take it off the shelf, dust it off, get familiar with it, engage with it. And, uh, and God, will, God will bless that. We're going to uh, receive communion. Let's just pray right now before we participate in the Lord's Supper. Jesus, I pray Lord for the desire to move on as disciples of Jesus. Lord, that the rebuke would not be upon us, that we should already be teachers instead of having to talk about the simplest things of our faith again. But Lord, that we would grow up in Christ. Lord, that we would be excellent in the Word of God. Lord, that being a disciple or believer would not just be lip service to you. But Lord, we'd be fully engaged using all of our gifts, talents, and abilities to influence others towards the kingdom of God. Lord, that's our prayer. Dedication to ourself, Lord, as we once again celebrate the Lord's Supper together.